Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 940. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. So, you may have heard the future is coming. Uh, and don't be surprised by it. You need to make your life brighter with Squarespace. Turn your cool idea into a new website, showcase your work, blog or publish your content, sell your stuff online, sell your services online, as long as they're legal. Uh, announce an upcoming event or a special project. You're going to get beautiful templates created by world-class designers incredibly powerful e-commerce functionality where you can sell anything and the ability to customize the look and the feel and the settings products, anything with just a few clicks. It's all optimized for mobile right out of the box. And you can buy domains as well. You choose from over 200 extensions. So everything that you need is is really right there at Squarespace. Built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, 24-7 award-winning customer support. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast. Let's go over to the uh, community corkboard. What do you think about that, Lids? Don't just shake your head at me. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Say a thing. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. <laughs> oh, nice. So this is marriage. What are we, a year and a half in and already? I'm sorry. We're not... I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing a fucking podcast intro. Oh, no, I got that part kind of, but... <laughs> I was trying to give you your privacy. I'm literally lying right next to you in bed. How is that? How are you giving me privacy? I don't know. So just by ignoring me? I zoned out. I was being respectful. Thank thank you for your respectful zoning. Oh, for crying. Oh, my God. I love you. I love you, too. I guess that's what happens. After 18 months, <laughs> whatever it is. Well, I was trying not to talk to you, so I wouldn't interrupt your intro. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. It's very kind. Anyway, you can go to the corkboard, which is corkboard at id10t.com. Cade Barrett, the corkboard is the thing where people write in about their things that they're doing, and then it's we. It's not like that old school thing people had in their kitchens that you tack stuff onto. Y- yeah, it's like that, but. A- <laughs> Boy, you're really cracking yourself up. <laughs> she did the space work for it and everything, like pinned the thing into the walls. All right. Uh, Cade Baird says, you told me to make a thing, I made a thing. It turned out to be a children's book. I wrote a book about an immigrant boy who was being bullied, had a brilliant Australian artist hand paint the illustrations, and then self-published it. It's a story that helps children who are being bullied get grown-ups involved and hopefully uh, will help kids who may be prone to bullying have more empathy. On top of that, I'm donating 50% of the profits to two different charities. 25% will go to a charity that benefits refugees. 25% will go to a charity that institutes emotional and social learning programs into schools that help prevent bullying and improve academic performance. I put over $3,000 of my own money into the project, so I need to sell quite a few books before I can start making donations to these organizations. The book is called Rafa and the Mist. Bullies chase Rafa into a forest where he meets a mist who gives him valuable insight on how to deal with difficult problems. Available internationally via Amazon and uh, ebook on most services like iTunes, Nook, and Kindle. And in hardcover online from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can learn more at rafaandthemist.com or at rafaandthemist on Instagram. Michael Curley writes... Um, I've always been passionate about watching and analyzing films. Last year, I finally put myself out there and started publishing film essays. Currently going through the Marvel films one at a time, starting with Blade. Uh, all of our strengths, none of our weaknesses. 
The most recent article was on Electra and Fantastic Four is coming up. Uh, I try to write from a place of love and passion for the films rather than a place of negativity. So that so many film writers seem to think is necessary. Agreed, Michael Curry. Um, the articles are hosted at popmatters.com, a fantastic independent pop culture website featuring thoughtful long-form articles. You can also find me on Twitter at M underscore Curly Fries with an E uh, in Curly. Well done. Um, this episode is, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a group of people. All right. So it's like the it's like churches and the national. Well, it's not like it actually is. It's Lauren Mayberry and Martin Doherty of churches and Matt Berninger of the national uh, who did a song together called My Enemy. Uh, Matt uh, featured on this church's single and it's great. It's like it's they were really able to take both of their styles and perfectly layer them together. Um, and this is from church's upcoming album Love is Dead, which will be released in May and is available for pre-order now. So, uh, yeah, this is actually Matt and Lauren are returning to the podcast. We did them separately, um, Lauren in 2014 and Matt in 2013. So, uh, and then Martin's brand new to the podcast. So there you go. Uh, that is this episode, which is also brought to you by Beachbody On Demand, which is an online fitness streaming service that gives you unlimited access to an incredible variety of very effective world-class workouts personalized to meet your needs. Again, I've said this before, I have subscribed to this for a long time and it is a fantastic resource, especially if you're on the road or and you want to get some workouts in. They have really quick ones, they have longer form ones, they have really intense ones, they have uh, uh, yoga classes, there's nutrition. It's the total package to help you become uh, your best self this year. Now, if you can't afford a gym or you can't afford a trainer, then you don't need any of that stuff with this subscription. Um, It's convenient, accessible via computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone. It's for any fitness level. Workouts range from cardio to weight training. Like I said, yoga, low impact, even dance. Over 600 workouts. So check it out right now. Um, ID10T listeners can get a free trial membership when you text ID10T to 303030. And you're going to get full access to the entire platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information for free as well. Just text ID10T to 303030. That is Beachbody On Demand. Also, stamps.com, the easiest way to get all the amazing services of the post office. Any letter package, use your computer printer, mail carrier picks it up. Everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. Create your stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click print mail, you're done. They're going to send you a digital scale. You're going to automatically calculate the exact postage you need. And they're even going to help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do from your desk with Stamps.com. Right now, you can also enjoy Stamps.com with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Don't worry about leaving your house for any reason, even to mail a letter Use stamps.com. Go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in ID10T. That is stamps.com. Enter the promo code ID10T. I'd like to thank Stamps for continuing to support the podcast, even after the name change. Uh, and now this is the ID10T podcast number 940 with Churches and Matt Berninger. Initiating ID10T protocol.
Kramer, and you're listening to Jed the Fish on. <laughs> Jed, does Jed the Fish still work, Kramer? I don't know. I don't either. I haven't listened. To, I haven't listened to actual radio in so long. Terrestrial. I listen. I mean, it's serious. Sirius XMU. That's where That's we were. Where we were oh, time. you were at Sirius XMU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't, uh, they like us better. Like, so we don't have to be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's a good station. There'll be a lot, I think there'll be a lot of K Rock begging. Because we always beg them and they're always like, Really? Yeah, oh, you have to beg all the yeah, radio stations. That's like a weird yeah. thing. They're terrible. They got a lot of Papa Roach to play. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I'm not sure if you want to get this like 20 year old Foo Fighter song off the radio. Yeah. Or any <laughs> yeah. Music. Like, okay. yeah, we could play Churches or we could play that acoustic version of Everlong right? again. Right? That's good. I would have. <laughs> that one's a really good one, though. <laughs> I got a horrific car accident to that song, so I have to oh, are you serious? change it every time it's on. That's true, I didn't know that. Yeah, I go on 110 to the 405 and then rolled my truck. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. It was okay, it was, 2000, it was 2001. So when that song should have been on the radio? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now it's just like they're taunting me with it. Well, but then we went to the almost acoustic Christmas K-Rock thing when we were here in December, and I was watching the, looking at the lineup, I was like, yep, I can see, I can see why we don't get played on the radio. Yeah. Oh, it's mostly... Uh... It's a lot. It's a lot of this. St- I worked at K Rock from '95 to '98, and they s- play a lot of stuff that was there when I was there. <laughs> so it's almost become like an alternative oldie station yeah. in a yeah. weird sort of way. Yeah. And it's Southern California too, so it's tons of Sublime and mm-hmm. and they'll play that one Pennywise. It's like a lot. It's just right. terrible. It's uh, you know, but it. Then they'll play like drama. They'll, like occasionally they'll play a good song from when they played good music. I got really upset yeah. because about two years ago. <laughs> I happened to listen to, uh, I stumbled across K-Earth 101, and K-Earth 101 was the L.A. station that, when I was in high school, played, like, 50s music right. and 60s music, and they were playing fucking Nirvana. No. And, it, and I just was like... <gasps> Time-wise, it works out. It does work out! Time-wise, it does work out! 25 years! Oh, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I know. Isn't, so that, isn't that shitty? When I see, like, a high school kid wearing, like, a Nirvana shirt or something like that, I go, oh, yeah, that would be the kid wearing the Led Zeppelin shirt when I went to high school. Right. Same kind of kid. Yeah. yeah, that kid's parents were kids when. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a great line in Clueless where it's Brecken Meyer's character goes like, the way um, the way my parents feel about Nine Inch Nails is the same way I feel about uh, like Rolling Stones. So I should stop giving my or no, like the way my kids are gonna feel about Nine Inch Nails is the same way my right. par- I feel about Rolling Stones. So I should give my parents less of a hard time. And he's right. like, sure, right. yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. But now all the kids now are going to be like, they're going to be listening well, to churches yeah. for the well, rest of their lives. Not if we don't get, well, I was going to say not if we don't get on K-Rock, but then I'm like, well, I don't know, like, how many, because I haven't, it was interesting you, you to go You get played on K-Rock, right? Yeah, but they don't, they're always like, maybe you can play the show. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, I mean, does radio really, is it, is it really that influential any longer? In not terms for us of, to say. It's for them. <laughs> yeah, we don't know either. Still. Yeah, I've, like knocking it down regionally is was really helpful for us in the beginning. Yeah, but it's hard. It's like the streaming is so huge now that it's like two avenues that are splitting off from each other. And it's not like yeah. you can go do an interview at Spotify, right? right? I mean, there's <laughs> not really. Uh... Well, no, it's interesting. Um, we saw the guy, the guys from Death Cab, were recording their record here. So yeah. we saw them yesterday, and they, it was interesting to hear them say that they well, they were at certain shows now when they play big radio shows. They let like people at those shows freak out about the songs from the last most recent record which 
and then he said it, and it was like, which older fans are like, these aren't like quintessential Death Cab, these aren't the big songs, but then people lose their minds of them because Atlantic caught it on the radio. They're the radio right. yes. I mean, Run into the bathroom. I was, yeah, in, sure. uh, I was in Reno with, with Harmar, who oh. was shooting. But, it's like, but then me and Harmar were in the car and then uh, Dawes came on the radio. And we were, it was so weirded out because Dawes always seemed like an L.A. band that people in L.A. knew. Yeah. But then they were playing on the radio and then, it, and then it, like they, um, after the song played, they said, yeah, they'll be playing some, there was some arena. Wow. And it's like, and it's, that's how regional music can be sometimes is that what like, band are you talking about Dawes yeah they've been around and like they were like they went to that school crossroads so they're like real oh, LA yeah, yeah. rich LA kids you know yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was they always just kind of played around they were part of that like not Maroon 5 but you know Rooney like uh-huh. those kids and um, and like I just it was just I thought it was just one of those LA bands that never really but then they were playing some huge arena like in you know rural Nevada and oh, it's yeah. just like a gigantic. So, so their region though is like I think it's uh, Mar- like L.A., Nevada, like that, that I think, vibe. Yeah, I think it's like L.A. specific because people yeah. probably saw them when they were growing up yeah. at like small shows, and then you go out and it's you know, like we drove by the like where they were having the concert, and it was you know a lot of good old boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I have friends who don't get any radio play at all, and they just by nature of touring on the right schedule for so many years and because of the internet uh, are doing better than they have ever done. Yeah. Well, we don't get any... We, we get very... Are we doing this now? Is this yeah, we might, yeah, we kind of roll into this. <laughs> yeah, we always roll into this. So, yes, we are recording now. So this is all... Great. We could all... Put, yeah, because I hear you... I hear, I hear the National on a Sirius all yeah, the time. No, yeah, see, yeah Sirius now. We're, we're, I, I mean, the radio is changing so fast. I don't know. I can't follow it um, fast enough to know if we're doing well or not. But uh, <laughs> uh, generally, we haven't. In the arc of our, of our you know, 15 or whatever, 20-year thing... Radio hasn't really been necessary. Uh, not, you know, it could have been helpful, but it, but it wasn't. It wasn't a prerequisite to like success at all. You know, we, we eventually found fans in little spots, and and those things kind of kind of grew organically without any radio play. And then the now. internet allowed people to yeah. meet each other and the communities to grow and thrive. And then. You know, and then uh, and then all of a sudden it's you're well, like 15 years ago, I guess it was email lists. People had you know you'd you'd have an email list or zines yeah. or zines, but uh, before that, but it, but now it just seems like oh people just collect on the internet and find each other and they oh I'm a fan of oh you're a fan okay great and then they well wasn't that the whole crazy thing that happened with Arctic Monkeys is that like they were the first big like it was MySpace and like you know there's like a bunch of they just people someone realized it's like these guys have a, like a lot of fans on this social networking site and then they really? got signed yeah. and. You know, continued to have a career, but it was like my. They, I don't think they were signed before they became huge on MySpace. When I start, when I started at MTV, it was 1994, and Dave Matthews had just broken. And, and, and Ian's spot. I just realized. Are we what? Where's Ian? Where am I supposed to go? I don't think Ian's. I think it's just the three of you. Oh. He's yeah. just going to creepily poke around yeah. and see what he can find. Ian's going to poke in from time to time. We don't... Uh... Dressed as various dead animals. Close your eyes. Are you a timber wolf? <laughs> Do you have any human taxidermy here? There's <laughs> not that we can show anyone. How much is like a piece from the body world exhibit, Chris? I have mean, you looked it up? Yeah, the plastic... Why well, are going to show you all the Disney stuff downstairs, too? Because we have all sorts of crazy... There's like... There's this weird commingling of 
Disney collectible stuff and horror stuff. Uh-huh. So you'll see like yeah. a really fun, cheery Disney thing, and then like you know The Exorcist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like something from The Exorcist. So it's a it's a it's a fun. I don't know. We're fucking weird. We that just like what we like. I don't know. I mean, do you guys do you do you, are you ever in in one are any of you in one city long enough to stop and collect anything? Because then you you would never be able to really appreciate it. The hardest thing is in traveling traveling around all the time. So you always have to be mindful of how much stuff you have on you at any one given moment. Yep. So I don't get any collectibles, really. <laughs> it's like, because I'm, I'm always thinking, God, how am I going to put that in my bag? How am I going to fit all my clothes in? How am I going to fit my entire life on the road? And this giant item that I've just bought. So yeah. I never, never buy anything when I'm traveling. Lauren Mayberry, must-haves for a tour bus. <laughs> must-haves for a tour bus. Um, I have a lot of really boring health stuff. I wish I could say more fun things, but I'm like, okay, like a throat throat steamer, humidifier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep the lavender oil in the little pocket in the bunk because sure. there's a lot of terrible farts on there. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they're male farts because you can't gender a fart, but <laughs> it might be so don't. a male fart. <laughs> uh, I've definitely woken up at certain points in the evening and been like, oh, and then you just kind of put on the lavender mustache and it's all And right. it's all it's all good. Yeah. By the way, You, you Can't are. Gender a Fart is a great album name. Right? Just if you guys want to use that for anything. <laughs> yeah, song, the ballad, of course. Oh. How many people are on a bus with you guys? Generally, when you, I think we're quite full now. It's like, like it's a twelve, twelve, yeah. 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 So, gone are the days of the junk bunk where you ever be like, oh, I'll put my jacket in there. No, nope. there's yeah. a person in there that's probably going to be producing some horrendous farts. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the what's funny about that is that you start monitoring what other people are eating. Like, don't eat that. Because yeah. we have to be on the same to put down that oh. fucking bratwurst was, chili dog. Where, where was it? There was a a day we were going from I think San Francisco to. Arizona maybe and Ian and Martin were like oh we'll like we'll pay and we'll get a flight and then we can have a day off there and I was like oh whatever I'll stay on the bus I can watch some TV that'll be nice but then the bus broke down like two hours outside (laughs) San Francisco and then we had to uh, live in the bus for like two days what and uh, there was definitely a point where I could identify which road member who no, lo- who lo- no longer worked yeah. with us not for this reason but then I was like I know specifically he would only eat like pepperoni pizza and beer mm-hmm. and then I was like this is such a toxic <laughs> such toxicity I was like it must it's you the pepperoni beer fart and I was right. like yeah. you just gotta mix it up was he a rookie bit. was he like was he no he was like hard I think that's why he was like I'll eat what I want and I'll drink everything I can put in my body and I woke up in the nighttime. I had to open the doors on the ends of the bunks and like try and aerate it like and our tour manager woke up and Stuck ahead of him was like, What's happening? I was like, I don't know. Yeah, if it's you're, you're basically creating a biodome, like if there's like a f- if you're creating your own fart weather, oh. uh, uh, it's it's just it feels like it's bad. I've only done one bus tour and it was just my wife and I, and I so you knew who the farts were. <laughs> yes, they were mine. Uh, no, I still don't fart for my wife. Uh, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't, can't fart in front of other people. Can't never do it. seen each other naked. That's, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, we just, you know, we're, we're going to make the pact at some point. Still Disney, they haven't gotten a horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, but but even just the two of us on a bus, it just felt like, oh, this is a really cramped. But then not not realizing, like, oh yeah, there's like you guys fit like eight people on a bus, right? There's six bunks. There's twelve. Twelve. Oh, and then often in 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 the UK, it's often dodgier. I think mm-hmm. I find yeah. where it's often you, especially if you're doing overnighters, you have like twelve people plus two drivers that shift on and off, and the drivers sleep underneath. 
sort of in a weird compartment. That yeah, to me is like, always the creepiest so thing. Like American ever. buses, there's like the driver has a hotel room. He there's no space, but in these European buses, there's a strange little cupboard, oh. and then the drivers sleep in this little cupboard. It's like a troll, where I mean, they just collect really toenails and the wheel. It's it's I mean eyelashes. Bus really drivers cool. have, have, have are the good ones are angels. Uh, the bad ones are are terrifying. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And so I really respect the the. the Whatever finding good bus drivers in a good bus company for is is a, is a really lucky thing. It's and it's really important. But it is there are there are things like no, no matter how, where you are, it's still ten or twelve people living on a bus. There's nothing. Mm. There's almost no way to make it glamorous. I mean, it, a, a tour bus really is the closest thing humans have to uh, being packed in a suitcase, where you <laughs> you are being compartmentalized and sort of folded up. And then moved. Mm-hmm. And you can't really... I mean, you, you, you can get up and go sit in the common area, but the common area is, you know, is, is really about the size of a, you know, like a bench. Our common, our common area is nothing but like shoes and backpacks. That's, that's just yeah. like a big closet. Like, so. I think the first lesson I learned, because uh, I guess Ian and Martin had done more touring than I had when we started this band, and our tour manager used to be in a band with those guys, so he they've seen things. Sure. And Campbell was like, these are the rules, this is what you need to know. And then he was like, no bags on seats. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, bags don't need seats, people need seats. <laughs> and I was like, after a while, I was like, yeah, I see what he means, because it's annoying when you come into a room and it's just a wall of bags and you have to like pick up all these bags to sit down. I'm like, there's a tour, tour rule. And how how many how many dates are you doing at a time? So like when you're booking out a bus, like how many dates are you on the road doing? I mean, it can be anywhere from three weeks to six weeks. Sometimes, if you're really crazy, like eight weeks. Oh my god! If you're feeling really wild. If you're like <laughs> committed to driving your band at the ground, it's eight weeks. Because that's the thing that I think I think a lot of people don't necessarily take into account, and maybe they understand on some level, but don't really think about that. If they see you, and it's particularly the end of, the, of, of your tour, part of the magic of being a really good performer is making that 40th performance seem as fun and fresh as the first performance after you've basically been, you know, living in a porta potty for, uh, you know, for, for two, three, two, three months. There's also like a bar with wheels that never closes. So <laughs> imagine that into the mixer. It can be difficult at times. Like finding a way to stay healthy in the middle of a tour of that length is really difficult. You have to build in all sorts of mechanisms. Otherwise, it's just you come right off the rail. Can you s- yeah. Yeah, what were you saying? How do you sleep? sleep? I was going to ask the same question. Um, I, had, I couldn't sleep. On the usually... You know, medicated. <laughs> I tried so many different things. And it didn't work. But also, with his pipe, knock yeah. out. There was, lot, there was a lot of like, uh, you know what I'll try tonight? I'll try and drink as much as I can. And right before I'm about to pass out, I go to the bunk. And I'd, be, I'd crawl to my bunk. I'd slip in. And then right when I put my head in the pillow, my eyes are just wide. And, and we had a driver that we thought his name, we thought we were going to get a driver called Smooth K. Everyone called him Smooth Kenny. And it's like his whole legend is like, he's never hit a rumble strip. Smooth Kenny's great. You're going to love Smooth Kenny. And then like every single night, like I'm, I'm above the wheel well and it's just like, ka-chung, ka-chung, ka-chung. Like every, and I was that like... That was a night Smooth Kenny broke. That was, I thought, I was, I was like, hey, what's up with it? I thought we got, I can, I, Smooth Kenny. Kenny is a fucking, and I was like, oh, we don't got Kenny. We, we ended up getting Daryl. And I was like, fucking bumpy. Daryl, man. <laughs> well, now Terrible. also too because you know the bus drivers are not—they're a tight, they're a small community of guys that do this. So mm. you uh, guys and ladies, I assume, and so you 
you kind of have to be on good behavior too, because as much as you're, I imagine judging their performance, they're going, uh, "This band sucks. Don't tour with this band, or these guys are cool, or that lady's not nice, or this man's a jerk, or they're okay." I do what? think that. Like, I have a long list of like, oh man, I'm like, who'd ever want to be a tour manager? What a thankless job. Who'd ever want to be a band manager? What a thankless job. <laughs> you know, I'm like, just like, I'm like, bands are kind of dicks. I'm sure a lot of the time. So I think I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Just apologizing. We always try and be nice. We, although we did have that one bus driver that was a felon and didn't tell oh, us. Yeah. And, uh, and we got trapped. We just drove to Canada. Yeah. And we had a show, like, that night. And uh, we didn't let him in. We were stranded at the Canadian border. Yeah, and all the gears in the bus. We were in the bus. The support van was in the bus. So in the end, we had to get... I think... Was it Vancouver? It was Vancouver. So at least it was close enough to the border. And we had to, like, phone the venue and get, like, a that's bunch a of, like... That, that's kind of crazy. Right? Taxis. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy was like, oh, I don't know anything. And then after a while, he just had not disclosed to employer yeah. that he'd had some indiscretions. Oh, so, that would, you know, make it difficult to get across the Canadian right. border. But we made it. We, we got, got to cabs. the venue at, like, 9 p.m. And then we just like threw the support. We we're like, go, go, get up! <laughs> uh, but we did it. But yeah. it was pretty. And I think our poor tour manager had a terrible day because then she had to find hotel rooms for like this many people at one in the morning in Vancouver. But it must have been nice that you got your own hotel room for like one night. For like four hours before we had to go back to the border and try and like unimpound the bus. <laughs> I mean, that is all the you know when you're. I guess when you're when you're young and you're like I want to be a musician I can't wait to share my art with the world it's just all the little logistical things you go oh that's a pain oh I gotta I didn't realize you'd have to do that oh okay it's just like, it seems like you spend most of your life trying to support that you know one hour you're on stage mm. and how are you you know like how do you maintain and how do you protect just that one hour where you have to be just on especially when you don't feel like it or when you're you know, or if you're if there's anything you're sick of playing, you still gotta you still gotta go out there. It's, and and of course, when you finally get used to it, is when the cycle flips, and you go back to the studio and you don't see anyone for a year, mm-hmm. and you get completely out of the way of it. You're so out of practice. You're making records, making records. So you don't t- talk to anyone, and then one day, it, you go you're but thrown back into the world again. And you have to build all that resistance again. It is tough, but I mean, it's not like we're know. not down to mine. Yeah, I mean, it's all right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with it, <laughs> but it's, it's hard. If you st- if you if it's if it starts to catch, I mean, if you start to get get successful um, and people start paying attention, you start to have you, you have to chase it. And, and touring is how bands find audiences. And being a good tour band, a good live band is you don't have to, but but. But you don't have to have a lot of radio to be able to find it. And these guys are a great live band. All that, That's a whole package. So once you just, people start paying attention, you realize how lucky you are. So you just keep running faster. Because, right. Because no one gets as close as you get. And so you're not going to let it get away from you. And But then after years, those years start to stack up and you get weird. and <laughs> You have to force yourself just to pull the plug at some point and reconnect to the world and, mm. and like, and, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's very dangerous if you don't just like slow down. Yeah. But you're, but it's like what you're saying is like, you're trying. So, and I think this, this spills over into other areas, uh, other forms of performance too, where you, you got to chase, 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 chase. And then even if you can unplug, you sort of feel like, no, I can't. I can't break the momentum. I'll never get it back. It took me years to build up that momentum. What do I? You know, what if you? What if I step away and then I got to start all over again? Yeah. That's one of the greatest challenges is finding the strength to to say stop when it gets to that point. Just, plus, sometimes I think 
you just got to give it a minute. Like, I feel like sometimes, especially with bands and stuff, like, we did two albums two years apart, and I was like, maybe everyone just needs a little break mm. from us. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, there hadn't been a summer that had gone by where people weren't, like, we weren't in people's mm-hmm. faces. So I think it was probably good to take a break to let people... There's different channels. There's, like, there's, there's a lot of artists that it's, like... I'm I'm just learning this. I, I'm not where a band that just goes away for a few years, and the first year, you know, we we don't talk to each other for a while because we just lived on a bus together for two mm, years before right. that. And then year two, we we start to really dig in. Year three, we're hot at it, and then year four, we're chasing it as fast as we can, and the record comes out. I mean, that's how it is now. Um, before it was it was, but. but uh, it's it's now there are ways to just put out a song here and then put out another song here and and do it slowly without without uh, in, in a big album format and I, I just I think it's in, artists changing the, the the form for which they you know do it I think is good for that artist too just to just to try different things and and our a lot of our band just like work on projects that are totally unrelated to a you know an indie rock band if possible you know and and that just it breaks the the ice on like where you started to like get you know just walk in the same circles, and it also gives you something else to write about. You know, if you don't right. walk away from that crucible, that little weird indie or, or uh, whatever crucible it is that, that the the festival rock band life is, uh, then you end up writing about that. You know, and that you can write about that well, but but it, it's then you just you start to eat leftovers in your mind. You know, right? You have to go. You have to go do something else and, and reconnect to, to have anything interesting to write about. So does this mean you're announcing here on this podcast your thrash metal project? I'm done with sort of those kind of uh, side projects and stuff. I don't, more, I don't need any more bands. <laughs> but it must, be, it must be kind of interesting when you sort of form whatever your thing is, whatever your voice is, and I imagine this is why collaborations like what you're doing come into play where you, because you have different chemistry with different people, but do you ever feel painted into a corner of like, well, I really want to do this thing, but I don't know if people kind of look at me as this and I don't know, but at the same time I should evolve, but is that evolving too far outside what I normally do? This is like the great question of every album. It's like, do we consolidate or do we risk what we have to take it somewhere else creatively? The, uh, it's a question I think that everyone goes through, I think. But you can't answer it until you get into the process of making a record. And you have to be free enough to just write what comes into your mind in that moment. Channel what you're listening to that week or that six months or, or what you've been influenced by over the last two years. Rather than just being so concerned with like satisfying what you already have is the only way that I can do it. If I'm constantly thinking about the past when I'm trying to make a record for next year, for example, it never works. It never, ever works. Because you're, you're, you're working within too many constraints. Sure. Um, that said, <laughs> you know... It, I, Thrash metal is a is a bridge too far, you know. It's right. like the uh, there's a within a much you can say it really easily. Oh, it's been so interesting to listen to a hundred different things this year, and that the sum of all that is X, Y, and Z musically. You never go to the extreme. There's always something particularly personal that brings you back into a certain space, you know. Yeah, and then the greatest artists. 
some of them can just change like that. And, but that's part of the agreement that they have with their audience is that they expect them to do that right. all the time. But you have to really condition. I think the audience is they, – they'll deal with whatever is part of the agreement that you have with them. Like mm. I'm going to do this or I'm only going to do this. But you got to gain their trust. Yes. You know, there's that thing. There's like bands that will have a, a sound in their first album and then they'll maybe do the same sound the next album and then they start to – Progress, but there was you know there's bands too that just jump ahead because by the time they record that first album, it had been you know the songs they've been writing for years, and the next album was like you know the songs they they grew they were they grew up and they made these new songs, and sometimes I've you know seen that band people just check out. They're like, oh, they changed too much. There wasn't enough of what I liked in the first place. So basically, it's a shop that changed their menu. I mean, we naturally progress as appreciators and listeners, and therefore that impacts on what we put out as. In, in generally speaking, but that pressure to protect what you always have, what you have in the first place, never really, never really leaves. It's always kind of somewhere in the background, yeah. unless you're like David Bowie or Prince, or like Madonna, who were fear, who just fearlessly change overnight. Yeah. I do think there's room for satanic churches, <laughs> where you just go super dark, super. It's like thrashy, super, uh, just totally change tonally what you guys are talking about. Just for one album, yeah. just to see what Go people to say. For a year, <laughs> I read there's a fil- there's a film uh, like the story of mayhem or something that's coming out. Oh really? I saw that yesterday. It's going with Sundance or something, and, and they're doing like it. a fictionalized version of that. So oh, maybe I'll just watch that. Yeah. And, not, like, <laughs> and not have to live it. Not have to live that. I don't want to have to. Once we were in Norway in Halloween. And we put on corpse paint, like black metal corpse yeah. paint. It didn't go down well. <laughs> well because those people, the like the they burn churches down and stuff like that, right? Yeah. In Norway. I don't think it's as mainstream. We thought it would be a nice reference, and it was Halloween, and they would like it. And Ian's really a great artist, so he does really intricate paint. And we were like, it's beautiful. And then we went, and nobody else was dressed up, and everyone was just looking at us like we were idiots. <laughs> so we're not necessarily big in Norway. Are you sure they were looking at you like you're idiots, or were they like, I wish I had thought of that? <laughs> so cool. Maybe you're misreading. Maybe maybe Norwegian uh, satisfaction looks like Norwegian disappointment to your Scottish eyes. Maybe. It's possible. <laughs> That's a really nice way of spinning it. You know, maybe that's a great way. By the way, I had so much fun doing the benefit show yeah, that you put you on in Los Angeles. That. That, that was that was a great show. That was just a top to bottom great show. We pulled it off. Um, I was a bit worried. Like the day before, I was like, there's so much stuff to do. Um, but yes, our manager, our production manager, were very organized in a way that I am just not. So the room yes. was full. The, the Fonda Theater. It was, uh, I saw I, I, my friend Mike Furman and I performed. Uh, Pete Holmes was there. Cameron and Cameron and Rio were there. Uh, and then you had uh, Ben Gibbard performed, and you performed, and some other really great bands that I wasn't as familiar with that were all fantastic. It was a good, it turned out. It was a good night. It made money literally for the kids. So yep. it was nice. It was good. Um, yeah, Did and we you, hadn't played a show in a long time. The, it so was yeah. Weird. That was the first time. Either of us had appeared in public for like a year. That <laughs> <laughs> was that was appeared n- in public. You know, I was nervous because <laughs> I get like I said the binary nature of what a musician does. That was it. That was the first time back. I'm back in in the backstage, like shaking, like it's the first time I've ever really been on stage. Remember you when you, they, they, everyone remembered you when you so came out, right? So. Right? They were like, "Who's that guy? He's well, like the other guy. He's like the guy about fat." <laughs> <laughs> well, and normally, like I guess maybe you guys find this. I'm like, we stress out about different things, and I think I panic 
I, not so much now, but I used to panic a lot about live shows and you and Ian are like the steady hands. You don't mm. really panic about those things. And then uh, I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, look at Martin. It's like the kind of, uh, like the air, airline crew. If they're not panicked, then right. everything's fine. But if they're running down the aisle, then it's bad. And I kind of looked around and I was like, oh, no, you don't look very confident about this. Like, oh, no, it's going to be a mess. I wasn't, but, no. But it was fine, you know, whatever. Yes. Three songs. I got the words wrong to our own song and not the covers, which is <laughs> par for the course. The um, <laughs> events like that, this, the kind of small events that are for, like, charities or something like that are often, you know, a lot of people come on, then you have sometimes speakers and then bands and stuff. Those can be so, yes. the, most, the most terrifying. Yet, oh, yeah. Yet you're there for, for, for the, all the best reasons for charity, yet that you just sweat bullets. I did a thing at Largo the other night, which is... And I just had to sing a couple of songs, but I was just like, I found myself shaking like I, like I normal, like I used to, but I've gotten over it. But there it was back again, like on stage. Well, you're also performing for like 200 people at Largo, yeah, 250 people at Largo. It's very intimate. Yeah. You can, you're really, yeah. you can really see, you know, like the front row is 18 inches from the stage. Yeah. They can hear your stomach growl like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, in the middle of a song. That's how quiet that place is. And with benefits, the, the ticket prices are more expensive. So there's more at stake. Yeah, you know. and it's all over charity, and you yeah. like you you want to do you want to do a good show for the kids. Yeah. Also, a lot of people don't know who you are. Like when you do their show, <laughs> yeah, you're not like, playing for your crowd. Yeah, there's like you know one you know a small percentage of the people in the room know who you are. So it's but that's I think it's good. I to feel do like that. everyone knows who the national is by this point. Don't you think I? I mean, maybe you have I, the right I, perspective I mean, on it. I would think they. My 16 year old niece just went to a camp. Um, of like a like a, a, a nature conservancy sort of education camp, um, and a bunch of hip kids from all over the country, all sixteen year olds, twenty two of them, and one of them had heard of our band. <gasps> Uh, well, that's, those are 16-year-olds, though, so they probably like a lot of YouTube bands and right. kids on... They, every one of them was wearing a, a church's T-shirt. <laughs> I'm like, I know them, at least... You're like, come on, give You mentioned to me enough that one more... One of them, them again. Well, my uncle, yeah, my uncle did a collaboration with them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, they did. I, it's coming out. Like, like, did that band used to open for the Grateful Dead? <laughs> 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 I think it's always are. like we can always kind of tell, um, like uh, Justin, the, the guy that was helping us host, yes, host the charity event. Um, he uh, is an actor, and Justin Long. He's Long. an amazing, he's phenomenal, nice hilarious actor. He's a nice man, but yes. we can always tell from a distance whether someone's coming over to talk to him or to us. <laughs> like, you can always, you can always tell from right far away. And I'm like, just it's like a kind of like emotional looking person wearing flannel or a hoodie I'm like that's mine 100% and then anybody else I'm like and I've got it down now I can take like I take three different versions of the photo and then I hand it back I'm like right off you go guys come on you got what you needed off you go that's really so fun, I'm a really yeah. efficient like publicist for him certain times I'm like you can really tell like I always know if I if someone if I see someone wearing a, a Star Wars t-shirt or like a Harry Potter pin or something I go that person's going to recognize <laughs> yeah, me yeah. and and because we're all part of the same tribe so what is it what 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 is the national like what like if someone recognizes you at a cafe or something is there do you know can you go oh I can peg that person I know they're going to know no not anymore I mean I, there's there's sometimes you know uh Thin, young, depressed boys, you know, <laughs> are often there. But then, but but then, but now I'm I'm seeing we're, we're seeing uh, depressed people of all genres. Sure, of course, yeah, all, yeah. Of all ages. yeah, of course. Demographics coming. <laughs> no, no. But um, 
I mean, it's been kind of funny. Like our, our we have a um, we have we have fans that have been with us that have, you know knew us way back um, fifteen years ago. But then there are fans that are just finding out about us because of of newer records and don't know anything about our older records. We're really lucky that we that somehow we've we've managed to not get too too wrapped up in in one uh, little little bubble or scene, yep. and then and then kind of drifted away with that you yep. know and, and and we've seen so many amazing bands just kind of get packaged in a thing and that thing isn't a th- and they just float away with that with that whatever somehow we mm. we've 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 uh snapped out of whatever whatever particular uh pen we almost got into and and uh, i don't know why i think it's just like your your thing we talk about just just when you're making stuff don't think about what you did before don't think about just try to keep yourself excited and that's Constantly, what we what we've done. So I think people that like our band just know that we're we like our records. We're, we 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 they know we're making the record that we really are excited about making right now for whatever reason. So they tr- they just trust us. Yeah, they know that we're not trying to feed them with feed them product. You mm-hmm. know, music listeners, people who really pay attention can tell when they're being fed product or they're getting something from from somebody who's like scratching itches that they haven't scratched before. You know, right? There's, there's a difference in people who pay listen to records over and over and and kind of sink into it the way the way you know we all did with our records collections they'll 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 find you eventually so just assume there's there's people just like you out there that that you know so just follow what you want to do yeah because i i think there is i some of it too just i think is just staying in the game and continuing to make stuff over the over a long 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 period of time and that there might be ebbs and flows uh i mean i'm sure when you know when Kid A came out on Radiohead, like following up uh, OK Computer, people were like, "What is what?" You know, and then they they did all these kind of experimental things, but the audience stuck with them. You know, like some of the audience stuck with them, but now you know, I just saw them at the Shrine and Radiohead at the Shrine, and it was like they were the best I've ever seen them play, mm. and so it just seems like oh, they needed twenty years yeah. of everything that they did and ups and downs to get to this point so even I, I guess it really is I mean, just every, kind of every artist it. you care about Radiohead you know Dylan you know Simone or Bowie they all had phases where like everyone or big groups of people turned against them and hated what they were doing you know and and that was all part of their you know and it's not to say that that it's also Dylan's also got a lot of really bad records, you know. I mean, <laughs> it depends on who you ask. Sorry, it's true. So does Bowie. not. Yeah. None, none of these artists. None of these artists have flawless collections. You know? Right. It's like, it, but it's the ones that are just they're just looking in new places for stuff, and that's the ones you you, you pay attention to mm. over your lifetime. You know, not over that phase of that college that that year in college. Mm. Well, that's also the great thing about making about if something comes out that doesn't connect as well. You know, if you make something else that does, people aren't going to remember the thing that didn't connect as well because it didn't connect as well. So it just sort of gets. So I mean, I still feel like I hear stuff from people that I respect. I go, when did they make that thing? Right. And they're like, well, it just sort of got swept under the rug. Is that something that's only uh, allotted to bands that are get to a certain level of success? Where you know, smaller bands that kind of need to keep the fans they have to keep on tour and to keep on selling that many records to sustain their their level of success, which may be just what they're comfortable with or what have you, but 
you know, bands that like, I guess, for example, like, you know, Not A Surf has essentially kind of put out the same record for, you know, years and years. And, that's, and it's a good record. That record they keep on making is very good. But it's, a, it's like if they got bigger and they had, you know, more time or more fans to, and therefore a little more money, do you think that it's a level of success that makes a band progress and find new avenues? Or is it, is it just the person or the artist? That's a really difficult question. I'd certainly know from experience and in, in bands when I was younger, when it was people buying your record was literally the difference between touring or not touring. Mm. It was it was it's much harder to take those kind of risks because you're like the the your whole career or life as you know it at that point <laughs> depends professional life depends on whether or not you make a successful record in your mind. Yeah. Of course it doesn't, right? <laughs> life goes on, it's just music, right? But at that time, it can certainly feel that way. These are the kind of pressures that they, they create constraints that will never allow you to be creatively free. Bad or, second albums. Right? Oh, these, <laughs> you know, and the, with our second album, it was hard because there's, there's two was, approaches. Bad. No, no, I don't think it was bad. No, no, I don't think But I think it was hard because oh, yeah. you, you've been... <laughs> You get a look at a particular life or existence or career and suddenly it seems a little bit all or nothing if I don't build on this. This whole exciting world that I've just been stepped into for for five minutes will be gone. And if you allow yourself to get trapped in that... That's the thing. Right? And it it can can go away. Yeah. These are not unrealistic fears. This is the biggest part about it. You make the wrong decisions at the wrong time the music business, all of the creative industries, you can be done so quickly. And blocking that stuff out is so important. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll never make anything, like, artistically worthy. But don't you think... But when you look at... When you look at things... When you look at, like, a long, you know, 20 or 30 years of something, I'm sure, sort of like what Matt was saying, everyone's had an album where they're like, well, uh, everyone pack it up. I guess that was it. I guess it's all done. But then they continued or they just tried something else or they had a new collaboration or they had a new spin on something. And But they never would have arrived at that if they hadn't had this one experience that was, at the time, felt like a failure, but really was... A, kind of a learning experience before a growth spurt. Absolutely, but that's very hard to remember when you're when you when feel you're like the walls are falling <laughs> yeah. down. Try telling that to someone who's yeah. trying to make a second album. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think in the long run, I think for me of like bands I love, like that feels more authentic. And Martin knows because I whine about it all the time. Like my number one bugbear about like I sound like an old grumpy old man, but like about. Just because he used the word bugbear. Yes, like a lot of contemporary music that's sold to you as if it's authentic is clearly not authentic. I'm like, well, don't sell it as that if it isn't that. That's fine. I have no problem with that. I love loads of, like, really intense candy pop stuff that's not necessarily coming from, like, one certain place. Like, there's all kinds of different things for all kinds of different reasons. Um, But, yeah, I just, like, the inauthentic inauthenticity of it is the thing that kind of grinds me. But that's also from the, uh, that's also a point of view that is representative of the eye of the person who's observing it though, right? Because Hmm. I'm sure there are some people who make bubblegum pop. Which I love. Which is fine. And some of them probably go, yeah, 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 this is, it's just empty. It's like party music. This is what it's supposed to be. But I guarantee you a percentage of them, and it's probably a high percentage of them are like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm making a statement. I'm saying something that's really 
Like, if you asked them, they would probably think what they were doing was very authentic. Well, and I think, to me, I'm like, you can get huge stadium bubblegum pop that is really authentic to what that person believes and what what they want to make and what they're trying to say. To me, like, the stuff that's more sinister is the stuff that's clearly been focus grouped within an inch of its life. This is not the kind of music this person would make. Sure. Somebody somewhere was like, this is how we pivot and we're just going to rip off this band, this band, this band, this band. Right. And we're going to sell it as if you were the person that defined this genre and, like... I don't know. Like, I get it's just marketing. You guys are, in the, you guys are kind of in that in that game, or not in that game, but you are in the swim <laughs> with that uh, with that the same kind of kind of things more than we are. But I know what you mean. There's just like there are things that you, you there are formulas to make to being successful, just like scientific audio mm. formulas to be sure. successful yeah. on the radio. Obviously, we've been learning about that. If you start to try to like chase that, then then. It's easy to try to chase that. What's much harder, what's really hard, I think, with, 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 to Lauren's part, is that it's actually, it's actually hard to be authentic. You know, it's 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 meaning it's hard to actually be authentic with yourself. Right. Okay. So a lot of artists might be out there, you know, selling a record as it's a part of an authentic part of themselves, but you can tell they're not. It doesn't sound authentic because you can tell they they don't even believe themselves. They don't. They're, they're lost. A right. Bit. So. So it's it's frankly it's very I mean my I find it really hard to get a song to the to a place where I'm like it's it's almost all the bullshit's out you know um, and it's okay to leave a little bit of bullshit in there because otherwise it's 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 it's, it's, it's you know too hard to listen to it right but, I don't know. <laughs> but it's hard it's, it's actually hard in yourself to to find to put something an emotion or an idea into words and then put it into a song. And get it on, get it down, and get it recorded. I know that's really, really hard. So, so that's why I'm so impressed when I hear any band like Churches or there's a lots of them out there that can. Big Thief is a band I can't stop listening to and stuff. And because it's you believe it, you just believe it. Incredible Stevens, I believe. You know, yeah. yeah. But I think. Oh, go ahead, Lord. Well, maybe that's why. Maybe I'm just personalizing it too much. Maybe that's why those things bother me or something. Because not bother me, but. I don't know. I just remember being a 16-year-old girl that really believed certain things and like really loved these bands. And then how I feel like you years... want to talk about something. No, I don't. <laughs> I feel like, maybe, like I don't mean to like because it's interesting. I had a conversation with our manager about it once, and he was like, "Yeah, but if it made you happy and you believed it, then why does it matter?" He was like, "It matters to you now as a person in a band. It doesn't matter to you as a person that mm. loved those bands." I wonder about that authenticity, though. So, it's if we look back at somebody like if you know the, you're talking about the the algorithm that people have made. Of like how to make a successful radio song. I mean, the Motown did that. They had, you know, they would tell people, like, oh, start with the, the hook or start with the chorus and then go into the rest of the song. We'll bring in James Jamerson. And yeah, then we'll bring and it was like that wrecking crew idea of it's like, yeah. oh, what if we got the best person that that we know that played bass and we get this person. What was her name, the wrecking crew bassist? She was like, she was the best bass player. Okay, and she's like, she plays bass on every amazing, I think it's her. And yeah. it's, it's, nobody knows her. That's a woman. Like, like yeah. you think of all these like session dudes. And yeah, she was exactly. like, yeah, it's incredible. Man, we had the guy that directed it on here, I believe, on this podcast a while back. But um, the or no, it wasn't. I was something I listened to. Forget it. Thanks for giving. <laughs> you listen to other podcasts. He does. He doesn't no. listen to this one. He's never listened to this one. <laughs> Not one time. Uh, I don't know what my voice sounds like. I, <laughs> and I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah. know. But there is that thing. It's like, but we look back at those old songs, especially like a lot of Motown songs. Like, oh, look, you know, this is this is like authentic or you know, that like old kind of rock and roll. Uh, where people go, it's like, this was real music. Music was real back then, but it was almost more manufactured than what came after it, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's, so it's like, I, every time I think about, you know, there's those graphs you see sometimes of like, uh, this is how many people wrote, um, 
you know, this Beyonce song and it's a bunch of producers and something like that. And then this is how many people wrote uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's just like, you know, Freddie Mercury. And it's like people try to use that to discredit songs that are manufactured. But like you were kind of what you were saying is that it's after after it's made it really there's no such thing as bad music because if a certain song connects with somebody and helps them kind of get happy or uh feel justified or you know feel um you know better about themselves then there's there's it's hard to say like what's good and bad because there was still someone that wrote down the lyrics maybe because maybe they didn't necessarily feel it felt it like in a real sense but it was still in their head yeah like california girls they really <laughs> like that's a really important message that yeah. people well, maybe she was saying that to her friend that was in a bad mood and she said all, all these guys leave me for these New York girls. Well, I believe, I genuinely believe, I, mean, I, I don't know, we have, I have this conversation with people every time, and I'm like, I believe that Katy Perry means it. I believe that she will go down in history. I'm like, she brings a lot of joy to a lot of people. I've been to two Katy Perry shows and I cried both times because like, there was like dads that bring their daughters and she's singing firework and I'm like, I just can't with this. It's too too much. But I genuinely, like that's a great example I think of something that I'm like, well, this is a place that we don't come from but I feel like she right. means that. Yeah. That feel, that's all. And that's the important thing is meaning. Yeah. And, and what Matt was saying, I think is the most challenging thing across any art form is figuring out how to be authentic to yourself because, number one, it's difficult to know who you are at any given moment. That's very difficult mm. to know. And also, when you're kind of searching your the far reaches of your emotional soul about who am I and what do I want and what does this thing mean to me, your emotions, because their emotions are very difficult to sort. So how do you know what is a real deep thing that you want to express and what is like, but I also really want people to show up to shows because <laughs> that feels yeah. good too. And I also like, how do you sort through and really be authentic to the truest form of yourself? Because it's just going to get crowded and messy and it's difficult to even know who you are at any given time. It's, it's so difficult. Um, you, you just have to like, you, the, the less time you spend thinking about it in that particular moment, in the moment of creation, when you're writing, more so with music than it is with, with the lyrics. To be fair, I don't write lyrics in the band. Or, um, or lyrics take much longer and you have to say what I want to say and all these questions. But with music, you just have to really invest in that particular moment where you write it for the first time or you feel... I, I, everyone knows that feeling of like a new composition. The, the highest you ever get is the instant that it comes out. The moment that you surprise yourself... Or you do something... There's that... I like that. That, that feels like, special. Yeah, like, I just found something. I just found right. something. Yeah. 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 That moment that feels special is like, to me, uh, anyway, it's like, I don't know if you'll agree, it's the highest you ever feel. And then you spend all this time trying to get back to that moment. And we talked about this today, actually, with uh, regarding the song we did, uh, we did with Matt. If you can get back anywhere near that feeling at the end of the process... Then it's a to me it's a victory, like it's that's what authenticity is. Yeah, yeah. that you that you feel as strongly as you did at the end of months of that's recording. That's a great way to put it, and I think you a lot go of people in and out of it. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you do. <laughs> and there's days where you're like, this song is nah, and then there's days when you're right back there, and and getting to that point with his, with all of your output is to me the the goal of making any any record, and also reconciling the fact. This is the most important thing to me. People's relationship with music is not the same as my relationship with music. When I finally got over that, that some people don't 
care that much. <laughs> they hear a song on the radio and they make one of two decisions. It's yes or no. Yeah. And they'll enjoy it for however long it lasts and then maybe never think about it again. Or you have someone like me who obsesses over records, obsesses over Radiohead, who thinks about a whole career, how, how a band is a gateway drug to, to whole genres of music you've never heard before. As soon as I figured out that not everyone was like that, I feel like I became a better musician. Well, I remember you're you... free. <laughs> you, you, well, you, I remember when you were on the podcast like four years ago, you said something very similar that and it made me laugh really hard where you go, yeah, you, it's something to the effect of you spend so much time like pouring over the lyrics but then people in the audience are like, just get to the uh, 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 because <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, that's the only one they can remember. That's what they yeah, remember. Yeah. And we have weird accents. We mumble. Um, I don't know, but then to me, I'm like, it's all different parts of... A process, you know, like I think if I didn't obsess over the lyrics, then I don't feel like I would. It would mean a lot to me, and then I wouldn't perform it, and it wouldn't. I wouldn't be communicating it right. Right. So, like, and there's some people that will obsess over every lyric in an inlay, and there are some people that are like, you know, people want different things from music. They want different things from any kind of art. So I'm like, after we always talk about this, and like after the record is out, it's like an exchange. You know, like it does. It belongs to us in a certain way, but after that point, I'm like, it's not for us to tell people. Right. Hmm. To prescribe how they should, if they, they can let. Yeah. There was that thing on it, was it on In Utero when it came out, like in the liner notes? It's like they told you where to put your bass and treble on your stereo while listening to it. And I remember being like, don't tell me how to listen to this. It's like, it's like musical omakase where they're like, no soy sauce. Yeah. The chef says no soy sauce and you're going to eat what we give you. Well, so you turn the bass up really high and then you're like, no, they're right. It doesn't. Yeah. God oh, damn it. Okay. Stop. Yeah. I hate it when uh, people are right. They, how did they know? There's thousands of brands of stereos, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. And they all so sound There's not even numbers on the base of trouble. It's just <laughs> a vague knob. Uh, I don't know. So you just started pressing. Are, are people... I, I don't know why they're... I, I guess probably just because it's, it's something that big that happened in music, but the door so reared in. Just... Oh, yeah. God. That's just, really sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that's... It was, was there any... Have you heard any reason why or what happened? It was just Nothing a very sudden... Like, she just... I have no idea. She died. It's really horrendous. Awful for her family. It's really bad. Yeah. Do you, but no one, I just wonder, uh, where I'm going with this is like, people go, oh, she was Irish, you're Scottish, you must have known each other. Like, oh, well, that's (laughs) not the, we don't all, that's not how all of that. uh, Well, we did, there was a cab driver last night that was like, you guys, where are you from? You're Irish? You're Scottish? You know Calvin Harris? (laughs) 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 No. Nope. He was playing the odds. Like, the odds are... I was like, no, we don't, sir. But Do you know Belle see. or Sebastian? Either of them? <laughs> Either one. <laughs> yeah. Either one. I, I but, do have, like, a really special relationship with the Cranberry song Dreams mm-hmm. as a really small kid. Like, I, I think it was one of the first types, first songs I ever really emotionally reacted to. I didn't understand what I was feeling. I didn't understand why it made me feel a particular way. But I was drawn to it. And I've never lost that with, you know, I've been able to understand it better. I can went to music school and studied how exactly these things speak to people and what melodic relationships or melodic intervals make sense. But that feeling was the first time I ever felt anything like that was hugely important to me. Yeah, I remember when they, when the Cranberries got popular, I, I, for like a half a second, was a little snobby. I'm like, it's like the 
Sundays. <laughs> yeah. And then I, and then I was like, Fuck. Are you slagging the Sundays? I'm like, oh, there's, so much, there's so much slagging. <laughs> slagging no, I'm not slagging the Sundays anyway. I'm just like, no, I was saying like I loved the Sundays. Right. But so one, you don't need two. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I was wrong because I <laughs> instantly was like, fuck. Well, cranberries are like, like they there was there was something a little more than just than, than just pop music. Yeah. Mm. There's something a little bit more like just the just. Just the slipping into the, some of the gray area, emotional gray areas and stuff without any easy answers or just like simple vignettes of a bad date or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the obvious, you know, tropes are. They, they kind of touched in, in more sensitive areas. And, and so when you hear that, even in the midst of all kinds of pop music, it, 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 it sticks. Uh, they're, they're more, they're more, your, your brain's absorbing. They might you not might not know the lyrics, but your brain is, is hearing words that are connecting and making mm-hmm. you think about them subconsciously, and so those that band had 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 good writing in it. You know, it's so it good. Yeah, linger still just like cuts <sighs> me yeah. half. Yeah. It, it's funny to listen to even dreams now, and still enjoy that song, but understand so much better why I had that reaction to mm-hmm. it because there was something special melodically going on and lyrically, and something special in her voice. Things that you could hear a thousand songs and you don't react to them. You can tell when someone... Yeah, it's exactly what you were saying before, that you can tell when someone gives a shit about what they're doing. And there are people who can fake it, but for the most part, it's just that stuff that's just a little extra sticky is the stuff where it's like, you know, maybe her voice went up in a certain Mm -hmm. way in a certain point because it had a specific meaning to her in that moment, and it's... It's basically the recording and imprinting of that on you. You're just a you. You get even if you even if you couldn't say exactly why. Like I don't know. I just really like it. It's like it's that's connecting with something that's in your brain that is the receiving whatever that is. Hundred yeah. percent. But you just can't. You just can't. I don't know. You can't fake. You can't fake that. I don't think you can fake that. I, I guess that, maybe a couple people can. I have that relationship with the Cocteau Twins as well. I don't know if you guys yeah. like that band, but that's very similar. Like such an unusual voice and an unusual style of guitar. Heaven or Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Again, lyrically bizarre and not you only ever catch certain words because it's so stylized vocally. But I consider Liz Fraser to be one of the best ever in terms of. Uh, vocals and those records have the very same thing that you're talking about for me those little moments of inflection those little pieces of things that just stick right in your brain and and they don't and they don't go away. It's always stuff for me where I... Like a lot of times you listen to stuff and you can sort of see the matrix code behind it and you go, okay, I see how they got from there to there. Or I see you got it from there to there. A lot of time for me it's watching, it's watching comedy but... But it's when someone does something and you can't track it. You're like, mm. how did they? Yeah. Then you kind of go, okay, that was some very special, unique thing that they were able to capture. And I understand, even if I don't relate to it necessarily, I can appreciate that somehow they were able to take this weird leap and, mm-hmm. and it didn't fall apart. Yeah. Like they were able to take the leap and rein it back in somehow and still be able, still be able to present it. So true. But you have to, I think you do have to, what Matt was saying earlier about, like, just sort of unplugging and pulling away and being able to, you do at some point have to live your life. You can't just make stuff all the time, right? I mean, you do have to, you do have to fill up the, the thing that makes the thing. I, 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 I find the thing is, like, you, if you're not getting away from it, when you're at it, you start to hate it because you just, you're just like, I need to, I need to write something. And then... And then, if you go away from it for a couple of days, the minute you get, the minute you, um, 
if you're if you're somebody like my wife and I are both like if we're, if we're we don't make something if we don't get that thrill that like oh there's there's an idea there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a seed of an idea there's just a wisp of a of a, of a fragment of a of a something that didn't exist before that's good that should be followed right just yeah. like like a blink of a light they're like that's that's some part that, that's a, Nick Cave describes it as that little flame like you gotta if you see it you gotta protect it mm-hmm. so if you're back to your doing your thing and reconnecting and getting healthier again, drinking less, exercising, and then all of a sudden something sparks that little flame and you can't go back and get to it and record it. You start to go, you, you start to get a little crazy like an addict too. Yeah. But, so the creative process is really weird and, and it's so satisfying. But if you don't have both of that like away from it, it doesn't want to pull you back. And if you're in it too close, it, you know, you start, you start to hate it, you know, and um, it's, it's a constant weird balance. Um, yeah. How much responsibility do you feel between because obviously uh, you know there's the world is somewhat of a trash fire at the moment (laughs) so how much responsibility do you feel between giving people a show where you allow them to escape the trash fire versus feeling like well I have this platform (laughs) and people listen to me and I feel like I do want to speak up for things that I care about so what, what, what is your balance between between Talking about your, your like things that are very much a part of you, but then also commenting on things that you believe should be better in the world, but then also kind of reminding people like, hey, things are really shitty right now. Maybe people came out just to escape that. But I also want to let them know that they should be thinking about X, Y, or Z in terms of the world. Um, I think for, for us, it's kind of accidentally become a little bit of part of the DNA of the band, but it's kind of about finding the balance. Sure. Like, I realize that we are in a pop band or an indie band or however you want to look at it, and it's not... I understand how that can rub people the wrong way to feel like people are preaching at them, and at the end of the day, when we put on a show, I'm like, I do like the idea that it's like an hour and a half where people can just, like, escape from this and, like, project onto the music whatever it is they want at that time. It should be entertainment. But at the same time... Like a lot, no, we don't make political music necessarily, but like you put a lot of yourself into that. And I feel like lyrically, definitely, I write about uh, personal things, but also personal perspectives on things. And I don't really see how you can live in this world right now and not write about, be affected by those things. It just wouldn't feel genuine. And like if a record came out and it just didn't feel like it reflected anything that was happening in the world, I don't really understand how that would connect with people. Sure. But. And even, like, I don't know, I guess that's kind of how we... I guess we met um, Matt and the National Guys through playing festivals, but then we got more... uh, got to know each other better through this Planned Parenthood thing that Matt was organising, and I feel like it's really exciting for us to meet people who want to talk about these things, because I feel like in this time, it's not even about party politics anymore in America or in the UK. It's about how you want to conduct yourself in the world, what kind of person do you want to be, and... I think if we learned anything from that last election, it's like we don't communicate with each other. We can't. It's not as plain as one person's bad and one person's good. Like we just like completely disconnected. Like how nobody has so few people have very much compassion or empathy. And how do you? I don't know how you make any kind of music or art in that circumstance and don't think about those things. Right. But maybe I don't know. Not everybody. Would I feel think like they that, do. But. You know, I I really think that. I think that that stuff isn't dead. I just think that the form of communication that people use most of the time is a very impersonal form of communication. Just, you know, text and chat rooms and and social media. 
And so because people are usually interfacing with text and machines, they're not interfacing with each other. So we're biologically not programmed to empathize with a device. So when people are like yelling through a machine, I think most of the time they're just not, their brains are literally not connecting that there's a human on the other side of this and that you're really, you know, and if you, cause you sat, if you sat those two people in a room, you know, obviously a percentage of them would be like, nope, still fucking hate your guts. But I think (laughs) they, they would, because of the way that our brains are wired, would try, look each other in the eye and start really trying to connect as people. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you're in your car, you're more apt to just, you know, like scream at somebody from your car if oh, they cut you off. But if like someone does that in front of you, you go, oh, I'm sorry, it's okay. It's I'm terrible in the car, but I, but not in a way that I want other people to know about. Oh. Like I don't, gets real I don't get up behind, I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, get up next to people and like I am down and like do you see what you know I'm not a bully in that way but in the car I'll be you like change, what is, you change it's just I feel like an, I feel like a crazy elderly person like what is this fucking like, genius doing what the fuck oh yeah okay no turn signal you know like, it's a lot of that like Justin is genuinely one of the most kind gentle humans I've ever met and he is horrible person <laughs> he is horrible and I understand that Los Angeles traffic is bad but like he wants had a meltdown that was so severe in a car that it wasn't even yelling at me and I started crying oh, <laughs> and then he was like why are you crying what's going on I was like it's so much like aggression inside this car I can't and he was like but they were being assholes <laughs> they flipped me off and I was like yes but this is not I can't remember so and then yeah, you learned a valuable lesson that day well he's don't gonna, drive he's, with you in the car yeah basically it's like <laughs> I will just have to get a cab by myself but yeah it takes it just takes Ubers <laughs> everywhere well, what, what what's is that? It? Sorry. No, you go. I was watching a talking about Nina Simone earlier, and I watched the saw a YouTube clip. Was it you that sent this to me? Maybe it was. Maybe, when was she talking about the big hat on? Yeah, she has the big hat on, and then the she's cafe. talking about how yeah. she was like, it's her job as an artist to take a snapshot of the world and like reflect what's happening in society. But she was like, but you also have the option of trying to shape that if you have a tiny little platform to do it then you are doing both jobs I'm not saying that like art can change the world but then I don't know and she suffered from from talking about it I mean her mm-hmm. career suffered from from being as political as she was and and and, and, and uh, but we're but we're here talking about her not, right not her not the other ones that were you know doing similar I mean, nobody was doing anything as close to what she was doing at the time mm-hmm. but but my but the the whole thing is like I don't know how any artist. Um, obviously, we know there's some arts not we don't want we want we don't want to be absorbing what we're what we see in the New York Times and all this stuff. You're there to escape it, but but all art is aware of it. Anybody writing anything, you're aware of what's going on in the world right now. So if it's not there in some sort of presence, if you just avoid it, you just a totally like then I don't believe anything. I don't believe anything you're doing because if. I don't, you don't. I don't have to agree with you, but I want you to. I want, if an artist isn't at least uh, acknowledging that that it's that it's a trash fire, or right? Something, <laughs> or, or, or that it's not necessarily on. If you're, if their perspective that it's not, just we, we, you know, what's going on right now? I think the way we're in a lot of trauma I mean, right now is feels particularly traumatic, and I think young people. Uh, are are looking at this and just, just can't believe it, you know? Just like like what's because we're this is the world that, that they're going to inherit, and so I do think there was a phase where it became uncool to be to be talk about you know politics or something in art or in music or whatever, and I and I don't know why it's it's like it's like 
Nick Cave, I don't think of him as a political artist, but he was digging into like if you're talking about every love song is political because you're you're if you treat that love song and the person in that song and both the good guy and the bad guy or whoever is whoever side it is, you re- treat both sides with respect in the song, the characters. That's kind of political. Mm-hmm. So everything you write about is political. Everything you do. So any artist that that says like I, I like to separate politics. From art, it's kind of like, well, you, why don't you separate romance from art? Why don't you separate, sure. mm-hmm. you know, why, why, get, why take one of the most, you know, rich things to dig in, like the, 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 the fate of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the relationship we have with every other creature on the planet, in the planet itself. If you're not writing about that, what, what on earth are you writing about? Yeah, writing? and also, like, it, because you, you will unlock... Hopefully, whatever you make, if it's really good, it will sort of bypass all of the... It's a reflection of all of that. Yeah. Even if it's just a love song or just a party song. Um, like LCD Sound Systems is a great... But, but they also reflect They reflect a lot of like other real things, you know? And, and um, I, I don't think of you guys' as music as, as remotely, um, I don't know, just heavy. Or anything like, it, it, but but it's but it's but it is. It's 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 emotionally rich and filled filled with real stuff, and that's why you can listen to it more than two three times. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah. And that's why you'll probably talk about these guys, you know, in in a couple in twenty years. You know, well, plus yeah, when people are like, I just would rather not comment on those things. I'm like, sales. Every time I read that, someone's like, <laughs> like, every time you're like, so, somebody's like, I would rather not, like, in this moment, in this world, I'm like, we will look back on this, no matter what happens, mm. and we'll remember this time, and you'll remember what people did and what they yeah. said at the time. No, like, you're going to be remembered for your actions and your inactions. So, mm. you know, going around being purposely silent, of, yeah, yeah, purposely silent about things, so what? So you can get, you can sell more units of a record that's already going to sell, like, Way more. I'm like, this just seems irresponsible as a human being. It is, but I, but I, but I have to say, there are times where like someone will say something, and I'll go, I can't believe that fucking guy said that. I'm gonna fucking eviscerate that guy on Twitter, <laughs> and then I don't because I, I don't like conflict, no. and I know that every time I say something like that, it just makes people fight, and then yeah. I feel like I've. And then I feel like I've just made people yell at each other. I'm like, fuck. Right. Well, I know it's not what I'm supposed to do. I saw a thing in the news the other day about like, Sarah Silverman talking. She responded to somebody on Twitter, but mm-hmm. in a like, really thoughtful, empathetic way. And she was actually trying to... Help them out. Yeah, yeah. help this person. and like, But also like to listen to what they were saying and take on board their point of view. And I feel like at this point, because there's so much crazy stuff happening... Like people on all sides are so quick to anger and blame other people, yeah. and you're not listening to anybody. Hmm. Like just because I don't necessarily understand where you're coming from doesn't mean what you're saying isn't valid. And right. I watched, we both watched the new Chappelle specials mm-hmm. right the other day, and there's a bit in it where he was like, "There's never a, a settlement that ends in bloodshed that lasts. Like that's never how this is going to go for anybody. Right? Like no amount of blaming other people and pointing fingers is going to make either side happy once it's." A result. I don't and can we also just talk about how Dave just put out two specials, like two it just seconds. happened. Yeah, he just like <laughs> just put out two, spe- two specials right after he put out two, two specials. specials. Yeah, like, yeah. Was, have you watched those? And the guys, were like, we were like, but you just did that. And we're like, oh, no, no, no. There's more. two new ones. Two more. Yeah, there's two new ones, probably on the heels of two more. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, do, when is, I think by the time this goes up, everything will be out. 
dun, dun, dun. Yes. I know. So this I is listen, the future? You know what I loved about your collaboration is it is the perfect, it is exactly, it's like, it starts out and you go, oh, it's a national song. Wait, there's the church part. <laughs> like, it is, it is extracted the DNA from both and layered them in such a complimentary way that it's, mm. it's almost like a fun chemistry experiment where you mm. see like, oh, if you could take this sound and this sound and smush them together, this is what that would be. It's really, <laughs> it's really great. Oh. Like we were so excited when Matt actually agreed to do it. And then when we got the track back, it was so, just so cool because we lived with it for so long with me and Martin singing it or like each of us trying different parts. And Who, it, sing, who was singing it? Was it you? Oh, that was me. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of... I, I, it's a good. You should release that one too because I get I get kind of hooked <laughs> to that version. Well, you know the the funny thing about it is you know what we were talking about that feeling of when you immediate that the flame like you're talking uh-huh. about of creativity. Hearing you on that song in the end, I was right back. Yeah, the maybe you could rehear what you had written. I was you there. wrote it all. I, I was, was there. I was trying to do my best. But to, you know no. when it came out, the very very that very night. We were all we were all saying, Matt. Matt's got a trip. We got asked Matt to cut this oh, cool. because it was so perfect. Like in my it was mind, a great song. I, I could it, imagine yeah. it so vividly. And then when we finished it, you're reminded of those. Oh, you, when your expectations are not only fulfilled but exceeded, mm-hmm. what you brought to it is so special in my opinion. And it's for everyone else to decide if it's good or not, and that's great. <laughs> we'll let but you I decide. So, yeah, <laughs> I was so yeah. I was so. Like emo- emotionally connected to it again. Yeah, and it was and fun it was, to kind of rehear it almost. Like I knew those lyrics inside out and back to front, but then like hearing Matt sing them, it was just like they meant something different when they came from your storytelling angle. Mm. And I was like, oh. Oh, I really, enjoy- were, I really enjoyed it. They were great lyrics. They were yeah. easy. To, they were easy to uh, believe because they were believable. So, if you yes. guys, so I mentioned, are you guys doing any shows together? Uh, let's, we should. Uh, we should. At this point uh, in the past, we don't know. We'll probably, we'll probably see each other at festivals. Yeah. You know what? Actually, so. there's a thing in Chicago. You were there the day before That's we're right. there. And so oh. I might try to come early. That is a great idea. Well, who gets the... Yeah. Who performs it, though? Like, are you each allowed to perform it on the road? Or do you, like... It's their you, song. It's, it's their, their song, song that you that you guess on. So so I guess we have the synths with us. So, so yeah. But who sings <laughs> Matt's part when you're on the road? Hologram. Oh, yeah. How There's got to be you. Martin. I feel like God, this is controversial, but I'm just be like it's one of those ones where we don't touch it unless Matt is available. Like <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I would, I'd come on tour, but I heard about the guy with the pizza fart. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not, he moved on to other things. Is he no, gone? All right, he okay. voluntarily moved on to other things. His uh, pizza butt's going elsewhere. He took over Papa John's. <laughs> and look how that went. I feel yeah. some responsibility towards the crew now. There's like, not a lot they of eat pizza parties. every yeah. night. Like, <laughs> you can't make I'm like, you can't live. Like, we come off the. We, and of course, you're working all the time and you're in a band and you're trying not to eat pizza every night. So yeah. you get on the bus, yeah. you smell pizza, you see it everywhere. All the crew guys are eating it. I can't help but feel jealous and guilty at the same Worry time. I want the pizza gone. Oh. <laughs> oh, you want it off. But then, so, you know what a crew would love is if you just set out like oats and nuts. What I find is that they love health food. Right. They love to not. They love to really 
you know, just put out some dried apricots yeah. and <laughs> no beer on the bus. No beer, but we have raw broccoli. I don't want to stereotype, you know, stereotype crew guys because there's a lot of guys on there that do a lot of exercise and stuff. But I get that loadout pizza is totally the thing. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, nobody wants a loadout salad. But, you, but then I'm like, they would maybe like the option of a loadout salad. Loadout salad sounds gross. It sounds rubbish. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's a sex thing. Sounds like a gross sexual act. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I got the, I got a loadout salad. Oh my god, you're lucky. How'd you? Yeah, yeah, Trump's America. <laughs> no, you would probably say no to loadout salads because, like, no diversity of any kind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless he's doing it and he's going to pay people off to say that he didn't. <laughs> our crew was actually healthier than anybody in our band, I think. They're all just, like, they're all, like, young moms and dads who are just taking care of They all do rec- exercise and stuff together. Mm. We, we, they've been, most of them have been with us for 10 years, so they've actually, our crew has been an incredibly good influence on us, just health-wise. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, when we were, we were shooting at midnight, I asked the craft, because we had craft service that was there all the time, and I said, you know, let's start making a healthy app, because they made amazing, like, you know, grilled cheeses where the mac mac and cheese was in the cheese was part of the cheese. And I was like, you know, we should just offer, you know, offer some chicken breasts and vegetables and brown rice and that sort of thing. Never got touched. And so you, <laughs> you, you, you really have to understand that that loading in, like what your crew does is hard. miraculous. Yeah. To load in, set the mm-hmm. show up perfectly so you can come in, too, do your yeah. thing, set everything up where it's supposed mm-hmm. to go, sound the same. And then load it out the same night and do it again the next day. That you just fucking want a goddamn pizza because yeah. it's fucking good and you've worked really hard and it just feels good to you eat a what? pizza. That extends to music too. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to put on the pizza. fucking radio and sing to some shit song because I just want pizza. I just talk right? myself into yeah. pizza. Too. I just talk myself into a pizza. Like, pizza that's, yeah. how, that's how I come to terms with like people's relationship with music. It's not like mine. If they want yeah. the pizza, they should have the pizza. Plus, right. I always feel like. Um, yeah, the, without those guys, we wouldn't be able to do anything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we think about writer and stuff, I'm like, well, that's the cruise writer as well as our writer. So mm-hmm. I'm like, do you guys want pizza? Do you want like some neutral grain bars? What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever you want. They can choose, but then most of the time they're at that point in the day. They just really want a greasy piece of pizza. So, so. Let, let's just uh, just plug everything and every date that is in your head for anything that you want right now. Now that we're sort of finishing up the podcast. Here we go. Wow. And this is going to come out after everything's already released, so you don't you can say anything you want. I have no idea of any of these. What about uh, pl- plug any bands that you think should get more attention that uh, you like that may well, not? Well, let them plug their thing first, and then plug and then plug bands. Yeah, we're here to he plug. He said he wasn't sure to plug. Yeah, come on, there's not enough room for everyone. Fuck other bands. <laughs> um, well, I guess what are we doing? Uh, the record, I guess, at this point is out in the future, which is scary. Um, and then we'll be playing some festivals in and around America and in and around Europe. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. In the summertime, and then potentially headline shows in the fall. Great, man. Um, we we the thing I'll plug is the is the seven inch for Planned Parent seven inches for Planned Parenthood thing that that these guys were the first. I asked I asked I reached out to a bunch of people right after Trump won, and the, the first three responses I got were like the next day it was from these guys Zach Galifianakis and Sarah Silverman. And they, getting them all to do this project is what got everybody else to do it. So it's called Seven Inches for Planned Parenthood. Um, they have a brilliant song on it, and there's all this kind of Margaret Atwood's on it. Um, 
and uh, yeah, everything goes goes to Planned Parenthood, all the proceeds. Mm. And we're going to do another one, I think, for voting rights, not this year, which is terrible timing because it could be useful this year. But uh, every other year, we're going to do a new, a new compilation of it because it turned out really oh. great and all these visual artists and stuff. So that's what I'm plugging: Seven Inches for Planned Parenthood. Great. Fantastic. And then any other bit? You mentioned uh, Big Tribe, Big Thief, Big, Big Thief. Thief. Yeah, Big Thief. Uh, Not familiar with Big Thief. Amazing I'm gonna go check band. Uh, uh, Adrian Lenniker is a singer. These guys, there's, there's a, uh, they've been, they've got a few albums out. They've been, but this, there's just a, a, a particularly a magical chemistry of, of honesty and brilliant songwriting, and and um, and just a really powerful, uh, just just a great artist. Um, Big Thief. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I've now and again, I'm someone's aunt. Did you listen to Big Tribe? It's Big Thief. I love the Big Tribe. Why do you keep saying that? I think they're from Venice. No, I got and I and I, I don't know if I said this to you, Matt, the last time when we when we came to your house like four or five years ago or whenever we had it on the podcast, but that um, the song Exit Vilified that plays at the end of Exile. Port- exile. exile. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Exile. Uh, Radiohead was. I was thinking Exit Music for a film. Yeah. Um, Exile Vilify. That song's also good. It's also okay. <laughs> that song's okay. But Exile Vilify at the end of Portal Two is like one of the most oh. powerful because, in, especially, it's just a great song by itself. But in context of what's happening, did you play that? Game I even played that game. My brother loves God that game. God damn it! Yeah. I played that game. It's From fucking amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible. Portal Two is one of the. Best and funniest and also most yeah. poignant stories in video in gaming. I, wa- I watched my I, I watched my brother play. He plays a big gamer. He's teaching my nine year old daughter to play everything. It's, Fantastic. It's, I'm a terrible parent, <laughs> but my my daughter and my brother are bonding, and they're like they're so much, they're having so much fun together. But so I'm I'm happy that they're becoming good friends over video games. But I, I sit and I, I watched him play that game, and it's hysterical and kind of moving and creepy, and it's really moving, especially at the end. And, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's a, that's a song, thanks. sort of like what you were talking about, where it's still just. Uh, that song just cuts through me, and and the uh, uh, and the marriage of that to one of my most favorite gaming experiences of all time um, just makes me giddy, and uh, <laughs> and so uh, I just I throw some fan love at you. Thank you. But uh, but I love that. Thank you for coming, and thank you for including us in your in the charity show in December. Yeah, thank we you guys for really doing it. Time. Just so much kindness. There's just there's so much fun. Well, here I thought you know I came into that show thinking like okay let's be extra because the song that Mike and I did is in Spanish. We did El Corazón, so it's all in Spanish. And uh, I didn't want anyone for a second to think that we were being derisive in any way because one of the organizations was a, was basically a home. Oh, that, yeah. yes. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so I didn't want anyone to go, oh, I get it, because this it was it's in El Salvador, yes? Um, Nicaragua. So it, it's yeah, for, it's in Nicaragua. Um, the fun. Girls' Home, which is a charity in Nicaragua for um, social orphans yes. and uh, for No Kid Hungry. Yes. So those are the two things. But I feel like it, you nailed the mood of it. Well, we did, you know, so we totally were we fine. were extra careful to make sure people were like, this is, this is very celebratory, we're not. And of course, David Keckner gets up and does two dollars and a hand job oh as making truck. I'm like, oh my god, we can do that. Yeah, that was weird because I think that uh, I think I did run for a bathroom break as that was happening, and I looked at the monitor downstairs, and I was like, is Justin be? What's he doing? And I was like, he's. <laughs> and I kind of forgot that he, him and Dave Keckner know each other from like years and years ago. Yeah, from like waiting and stuff. I'd forgotten about that. And and maybe yeah. And then they probably. I'm sure so, Justin must have gone to Largo shows when so. Keckner so was doing Keckner started doing Naked Trucker. And I was like, whoa, they, they're really really familiar with him. Is he okay with being part of this bit? And I was like, oh no, he is. He's and totally fine. <laughs> Justin was playing the game that was literally one of the first games that we ever played on at midnight that i borrowed um from like it was it may have actually been 
Was it Justin or was it uh, no? I can't remember who our mutual friend was, but we have a mutual friend, and it's the it's the movie titles that sound like pooping. Oh, poovies. Yeah, poovies. <laughs> yes. Was it called poovies? Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, really, it's a problem. Give me one for, example. Um, um, like the longest movie. yard. Anything that sounds like yeah. yes, yeah. and it's great for all ages. A, t- a game for all ages. And yeah, like car rides. Um, the Brown Bunny. Uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Oh no. Any which way but loose. Yeah, any which way but loose is a fantastic one. Well played, Matt. Well played. So, and I learned from that. I was like, how many use that next time? Like something goes wrong in a venue, like the power's gone down and like the generator's not working. I'm like, well, now I know I can use poovies rather than just quietly being like, so what are you guys up to? Are you okay? So. Do you have it, John? Do you want to throw one in? Eight and a half. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no. Yeah. A mile works too. Oh. Works. Yeah. I was trying to go artsy, I guess. Yeah. But then forty-eight it, hours. <laughs> but then, but then it, it goes. Uh, but then it goes. Then it gets sort of like you can start stretching. You're like, Smokey and the Bandit, maybe. I, don't I feel know. like once you're invested in the game, the more ridiculous, the better. Yeah. I think. Like. <laughs> Jonah, you must have some more. Katie, you got to weigh in on this. Phantom Fred? No! Oh, no. Mystic River? <laughs> Mystic River is a great one. <laughs> you say Brown Bunny? I did say oh. Brown Bunny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh it was Hodgman. That's who it was. That John Hodgman. Ah, yes. See, because we, uh, we're British, and we had different... We had a different Mac advert. Oh. It was uh, Mitchell and Webb that did it. Of course. Oh, my God, yeah. they did? Yeah. yeah. So I didn't realize until I was standing next to him, and then we were like, that guy. He gets a lot of that. Oh, Justin, uh, yeah. He gets all, hey, die hard, as he's walking around. I'm like, that's not for me. That's uh, how about Jeepers Creepers? Uh, oh, how yeah. about Galaxy Quest? Like, yeah, I'm like, come on, guys. He's been in some of the... I thought you were doing more poovies. Galaxy Quest is Die Hard is probably a disgusting job. But yeah, so we didn't get those adverts, so I wonder if that allows me to look at him in a way that most of the American public don't. Maybe. I don't know. Did Operation Double Drop. I can't stop now. <laughs> now it's just like you just can't stop once you open it up. Did you guys get oh. Peep Show over yeah. here? Yeah, we oh, got it on great. like it was on Netflix for a while when it first came out here. Right. Yeah, those were a lot of YouTube watches early oh, in yeah. the early in the day. That's, yeah, that's great. And uh, that uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. Oh, that's so good. And uh, Robert Webb's uh, new book is really really good too. It's about like just growing up in toxic masculinity and coming to terms with it and some of that. It's called How Not to Be a Boy. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times that yeah, we live in. It's, it's really good. Well, thank you all for being here, coming to the house. For playing poobies Thanks, right at the Playing poobies. <laughs> it's a pleasure, yeah. You didn't Enjoy. give anyone points. I don't do that anymore, Jonah. <laughs> you gotta go back. That's over. It's over. <laughs> it is weird to come out of. Uh, it is weird to come out of talking about poobies with the uh, the way that we set up the podcast, which is enjoy your burrito. <laughs> <laughs> ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.